Welcome everyone to episode 31 of the 25 Live. My name is Jim Bernica. I've got some special guests today for you. That's right. I said guest as in plural. First time we've done that on 25 Live. So it's going to be Dane and Allison Feening. Now I've known Dane for a couple years. He's a firefighter paramedic in uh, Norwood, which is right in the Cincinnati area there. His wife Allison is a mental health clinician. She's been trained in trauma. She's also done some first responder stuff as well. So they taught a class recently at our union hall. It was one of those classes where you actually bring your spouse. And my wife and myself both got a lot from it. And I realized while they were doing this, I was like, oh my gosh, this would be a great podcast for all my listeners. So I was able to bring them on the show. They actually invited me to their house in Cincinnati where I was able to hang out and record this live. You, you'll probably hear their little puppy dog all I think 13 weeks of it at that time. But uh, I'll just stop talking and we'll tag Dane and Allison in. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the 25 Live. I am live in person. I'm actually conducting my first threesome. Woo! Wait, that kind of went out wrong. Uh-oh. But we are in the Cincinnati area. Yeah. It's Skyline area. Mm-hmm. Three ways, four ways. That's crazy here. Mm-hmm. We're just, it's a lifestyle choice. We're talking about chili. We're, <laughs> get your mind out of the gathers, listeners. So, I am live in, in person with Dane and Allison Feening. Uh, they just came up to uh, my uh, union hall just really just a few weeks ago and kind of their thing. And I realized, man, this would be great to get it on tape. Wait, nobody really tapes anymore. Yeah, yeah but still, same yeah, concept. Yeah. Get it down and then just share it with, you know, all, all the audience because I, I just feel like it's it's super important. I've actually known Dane for a few years. Uh, we've talked about cancer stuff a few times and we both have uh, seen each other at union events. But uh, when we met the other week, it was just in a different setting. And I, I kind of just want to tag him in and kind of talk about it. So what you came in to do was a presentation uh, kind of a, a combined teamwork of I knew it wasn't broken, but I knew it wasn't right. Correct. So, if you will. Uh, thanks for having us. So, yeah, this uh, all started uh, about 2017 when peer support was starting to become a big thing. And my wife being a mental health therapist. And our life at the time, we had a one-year-old. And she was running her own private practice and how... Life was just crazy, and how everything was going. You know, what got me involved with the peer support and, you know, my story, I was a full-time firefighter for uh, City of Norwood in, uh, here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And on the side, uh, I was doing 1-800 board-up. I was doing board-ups for a restoration company here locally. You know, going out, spending many nights, weekends away from family. Mm-hmm my time away and just draining myself physically mentally and emotionally but I love that job because I met uh, Chip Terry Chip Terry is a veteran of the Covington Fire Department in Northern Kentucky retired as an assistant chief and he quickly I quickly latched to him and he became a close friend but more mentor to me I never had a true mentor in my life Chip you know, I worked closely at Chips, shared life experiences, he shared his wisdom, and I thought he, you know, 
this guy could do no wrong until the day I was was told that he tried to commit suicide. I was shocked by this disbelief, didn't know how to handle it, how to approach it, but this put me in a motion of wanting to help others more than I already did. I already, you know, our job's already very rewarding in what we do, but you know, it's different. You don't know those people when it's close to you and hits home. It's it's different. It's a different feeling, especially you know, I I don't come from a you know big family and we weren't that close, so I never had anyone close to me try to do anything like this before. You know, so you know, struggling with this, working closely with um, another member from the OAPFF that I do board up with, he. We were working through it, and the OAPFF sent down a peer support team in conjunction with the IFF. This was the first time I got to see a peer support team in action. They brought in two members from FDNY who were around when the terrorist attacks happened and multiple line-of-duty deaths. And just seeing how these guys were able to come into Covington and talk to the, the guys on duty, the guys who grew up, did their careers with Chip, and the guys who barely knew him, they just knew him as... The fire, he was the fireman's fire chief. Everyone was distraught, didn't know how to handle it. Because they came in after. Yeah, they came in after. Then they they even took a night and to speak to the wives. Covington has a ladies' auxiliary, and they made, they made it a point to say, we need to meet with the spouses, we need to meet with the wives. And that was awesome. And they said that was that was actually the hardest one they had to do. You know, they were going around firehouses, you know, you know that's, that's tough seeing your peers, big, you know, big burly guys crying and, you know, showing all this emotion. But then you know, these guys going to deal with everyone's spouses and the wives and they said there wasn't a dry eye. So this made me want to, you know, really get me involved with peer support. And we got to this point because Chip ultimately did do the, you know, the, the deed. He did end up taking his own life, and that's where you know that's where I met all these great individuals, and kind of set me on my way. Unbeknownst to me, I was actually struggling with my own issues. I didn't know it. Yeah, more likely denial. Didn't want to believe something was wrong with me. Didn't want to believe I was struggling with the guilt. I had a lot of guilt with Chip's death. Blaming myself, uh, blaming why, you know, could I have done more? Could I have been there for him? What did I do? What did I not do? And, you know, I was already isolating myself from my family, but this was only driving a bigger wedge into, you know, this gap. The gap was just getting bigger. I didn't want to go to work, didn't know how to go to work, and... I was bringing everything home with me and I didn't know how to separate it. I didn't know who to talk to because again, it's the old fire service, old culture is suck it up, you know, you know, bury it down deep, go have a drink, yeah. go back to work. Don't talk about it again. You know, it's one thing, you know, sometimes you need, you know, the guys at the firehouse to bust your balls. Yeah. You know, sometimes that is lifting. But that can only go so far if you're truly in a downward spiral, and especially if you do not know it. I found myself, you know, isolating myself from my crews, isolating myself from my family. 
I wasn't sleeping at night. I didn't care to do anything anymore. Then the biggest eye-opener to me was the uh, loss of hope. And I, I, I really stri strive to tell people there's a difference between a loss of hope and suicidal. No, I was never suicidal. Never had any thoughts of ever hurting myself or harming myself. I would never do that. That's cowards. That was, you know, growing up, that was the coward's way out. And I want, that's not a fix for me. That's only damaging to everyone around me, especially my wife and my daughter. But if something happened to me, that was, that was a loss of hope. I didn't, it, it didn't bother me. I didn't care. If something bad were to happen, I get in a car wreck, I get hurt at work, that's, that didn't bother me. That was a loss of hope. But then, you know, I'm big into music, and in my loss of motivation, I only had to do anything around the house, I was watching a lot of YouTube. Seeing, a lot. Seeing what new, really what new music <laughs> out there, because I was, you know, I'm already into, you know, the angry music, the thrash metal, the Slipknot, Korn, and the Warped Tour bands who just love to scream and shout and mosh pits. Well, then I found this, I found this band called I Prevail. Never have heard of them before in my life. And their music video just popped up on screen and it just said, are you depressed? And that's how it started. I was like, well, let's look at this. This does sound interesting. And I started listening to it, watching it, listening to all the words. This described me to a T. At the end, the lead singer wrote a little, little synopsis about you know, there's you know, people all over the world dealing with depression every day, and he was one of them, and signs his name. Well, you could erase his name and put mine. That was me. But this was a light bulb that went off in my head. Huge light bulb. I was in a weird, you know, it's a weird way. I was going to even tell you this was, you know, it was like Christmas morning to me, like the first time in a while. It was like Christmas morning. I was so excited I saw this. I watched the video on repeat, just watching it intently, more intently. I went from you know, reclined in a chair to on the edge of my seat over a music video talking about depression and they were just screaming and yelling. And I made Allison, I, Allison was outside with her daughter. I made her come in and watch it and watch it again, watch it again. And I wore her out on it. I was like, I'm really coming in to watch a video. Really? But this allowed me to put what I was feeling because I'm not the best I'm not the best talker in the world I talk low I have monotone that's just me what you're a fireman <clears throat> but <laughs> this I mean that that was the turning point because that was I was able to finally express to my wife this is how I feel I could can't answer why but I can at least say this is this is me Allison, did you have any idea before he came in and showed you a video that stuff was going on? Mm hmm Yeah. There was, um, it was interesting, actually, after the, one of the first times we presented this talk in Illinois, um, him and I had a discussion, and I said, do you remember um, the night after we found out about Chip's passing, I said, you, you were, he was drinking himself to oblivion, and I said, I had to call up one of our our friends to come because I had a one-year-old I had to come inside he wouldn't come inside I said do you remember this And he's like no so do you remember you know um, me having to lean on our our, our friends our brothers our, our, our brotherhood to come over 
and um, be there because as not only a therapist but as his wife, I couldn't. I couldn't handle him and be a mom. I couldn't handle him and myself. And so at that point, I knew it wasn't okay. Yes, we had just both lost a very significant person to us. Um, And the layout happened. The funeral happened. um, And we had several in our area, individuals that passed from suicide, and it didn't seem to get any better. And then there was the incident of the fence. So the (laughs) fence was the, the final straw, the final... We have to do something. Um, I went full MMA on a privacy fence for getting just hitting my wheel on my motor. Yeah. I punching, kicking it. Never been in a fight in my life. Never wanted to fight anything before, but for some reason, I was unleashing everything I had onto our fence. I didn't know my. I didn't know Allison was standing out in the back uh, patio watching the whole thing unfold. And when I finally stopped beating the fence up, was able to calm down, take a breath, and pick my head up, the look on her face of disbelief. And I said, what the f- are you doing? And I just, my only response was, I don't know, but I, I need help. Was, was the fence before the video or after the video? I think it was before. I think it was after because... Huh? Because I remember it was, I'm pretty sure it was after because it, you were, it was still one of those. The thing is, all, I mean, it's all around the same time. Yeah. So I don't know. I can't remember if it was before it's hard or after. To, it's hard to explain to people that have never been through it because they're going to be like, well, how do you not know your timeline? But like Galza said, I didn't know what happened the two days after, you know, Chip, Chip died. died. Let alone, do you think I really remember my timeline of, mm-hmm. oh, when did I beat a fence up? Versus when did I find a YouTube video? Versus when did I? Yeah. I, and, and we also my days were a blur. I wasn't sleeping. I was in, in insomnia. I was having night terrors. Well, we were also having to. Um, There's a few duties that were assigned to us. Um, well, we took upon ourselves that most people don't know. Um, going through the vehicle, um, you, Chip's vehicle. Um, we were um, getting things in order that we found that were his to give to his family. Um, you were in communication with people for his family because you know you don't want to bombard the family at that point, and they are very important to us. Um, and then you took it upon yourself also during that time period to track down. I found what he used to, to, you know commit suicide and I tracked you know I followed the receipt trail of where he purchased everything yeah as one you know sounds crazy but it was a way to like help get me closure yeah he wouldn't let it go and I was like what do you need to like move forward I I was asking permission I was like I want to go to the I want to go to the store I want to confront them and she's like you know you shouldn't do that it's not you know it's not healthy she was she won't tell me no she just said it's not healthy I said I want to do it. She says, then go. If that's going to make you feel better, go. I felt better afterwards. And I got to tell you, the uh, that was probably my first therapy session was the owner of this store. 
It could not have been a nicer guy. Because he was on, he was honest, like, this isn't the first time this has happened. And son, it's not going to be the last. I feel for you. I will protect anyone I can. But I can't stop someone from doing what they're going to do. That was the first time I ever heard that. I can't stop someone from doing what they're going to do. So in between either the video or the fence, at some point, I said, we need help. And that made all the difference. At least what you've told me. You mm-hmm. may be lying, but at least what you've told me. Yeah. And we also, you know, we use the example of what Chip went through. Yeah. When Chip first attempted, he went he was diagnosed with alcohol and depression, right? Because the old firemen, the old culture, we can't say our job is haunting us. We can't let our job go. Our job is stuck in our mind. So, and there's the, the, the clinician, I also want to be able to speak on this. The clinician world doesn't know about that. You know, when we talk about, you know, I don't like to say PTSD, but, you know, when we hear PTSD, we think military. That's where my mind instantly goes, is military, because those guys have seen it, done a lot of crazy stuff. But we don't think about everything that we do that's just slowly built on us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the biggest thing when we learned from Chip is probably, you know, a great thing we learned was what not to do. We're not, we need to reach out and figure out one, how to help us. And Allison was the biggest supporter in all this because she never said, you need help. You need to go get help. It was, we need to go get help. We need to do this together. She never, she never once hinted, I'm on my own. We were a team the whole way through. Whatever it took, we were doing together. Mm-hmm. And so we were looking for, we were looking for the proper treatment for public service because I've done EAP before and Allison has come with me for a few sessions with those. And I think what most guys, you know, when they vent frustration about it is you spend your first two or three sessions explaining what you do. Then that fourth session, you're counseling the therapist <laughs> because they're, they have no idea what we do. Now they're in shock and disbelief. Yeah. <laughs> then it becomes frustrating. You're like, okay, well, I'm not coming back. <laughs> so... You're, you're, what you're struggling with just got worse. Now you've turned, you know, some depression. Now you're in anger now. Now you're really frustrated. Yeah, for sure. You try to open up to someone. They didn't get you. You upset them. So what would make you want to go find someone else? It's going to be a turn off, I imagine. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing I hear from you know, people that have tried EAP before. And it's great that the cities, the cities and townships, they have the programs available. And there are good people in EAPs. It's just they're not always publicized. And you're not always sure of what what questions to ask when you make that call. Because you're so anxious about even making the call. You're not even like, by the way, I'm a first responder. Do you have anyone that is well-versed in this culture? You don't know. Then it's, it's provided by the employer. So the next thought is, well, if I go there, my employer's going to know I'm using them. And they're going to think they're going to know something's wrong with me. And I'm not going to risk that, especially with police officers. And that's the unfortunate part. We see it in police officers the worst because they want to talk to someone, but they feel they fear if they mention anything along mental health, they're going to get lose their badge and their gun. Yeah. That's their livelihood, and that's the last thing we want to take away from them. When they just want to talk to someone, 
Yeah. I kind of imagine you had a unique advantage as far as, you know, an in-house clinician right here with you. <laughs> and I know, and I know it's not necessarily your job and it's kind of a, it's a, puts you in a weird spot, but I imagine you at least knew where to look to find somebody that could be helpful. Am I wrong on that? So that's the funny thing. Um, so as a therapist, as a clinician, I've at this point almost 10 years, I'm coming up on 10 years of doing this, and I even was at the VA for my grad program, is until Chip passed, there we didn't know of anything. There was no quote-unquote first responder, culturally friendly, understood it therapist. There was no word of mouth. There was no one that you could really go to or knew of. And so when Chip passed, it started happening. Things started coming out. You know, I mean, this was also the time that the IFF Center of Excellence was out. That's when they started, 2016, 17. But also, yeah, I contacted them just to see what they were afterwards. And I got to tell you, that was another frustrating part in the beginning. Because, you know, they're trying to get their wheels up and running and really get this thing going. But, you know, they're in Maryland. Eh, hey, I'm in Cincinnati. What can you do for me? Well, you can come out here. No, <laughs> I'm not coming out I, there. I will say personally as a clinician from what we experienced three, almost four years ago now with you to what I've experienced with, with my own personal clients now, it's a lot better with the Center of Excellence, which is great. But there was not, at the time that we, first everything was happening, there was not a lot of resources. And so as an in-house clinician for my husband, I mean, yes, I have, I had some quote-unquote trauma training, not what I do now. I have some very in-depth trauma training. I have a lot of things that I've done differently that I've made myself research, made myself grow from just because um, of what we experienced. So, And for the record straight, I always told her, you're never my therapist. You're my wife. <laughs> yeah. If it ever gets to a point where you, you're turning to my therapist, that's you need to tell me and we're done talking about it yep. and you need to send me up because yep. I'm not mixing the two. Nope. We made that rule from day one. Day one. Yeah. Even though you keep telling me that if I ever get my PhD, uh, I got with him to do my dissertation on him. but um, I'm just going to be famous. Yeah, right? I'm going to be famous in her words and writing. So, so it was really frustrating for me because I did not know what to do. It's, it makes me laugh because I'm thinking about my wife <laughs> being a nurse. And like the other week I was sick with the flu and I'm like, corona. nurse me, you know? Yeah, you got the corona. I, no, just, oh. no. Just <laughs> flu A, it's okay. Flu A. Um, Is that why we're in but the she, bubble? she did not want to, I mean, she was just like, no, I'm. You're 40 years old. Handle it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But women don't understand us men are 10 times worse when we're sick. Oh, yeah. Women just don't sure get it. You sure are. You sure are. So, anyway, so, so even as a therapist by trade, but as his wife, not only was I, um, I was scared shitless that he was going down the path of being the next uh, to, to die by suicide, I also felt very helpless. Very helpless. Um, there was not a lot out there. There's not a lot of services. I've worked in, unfortunately, a lot of places. I've <laughs> had lots of jobs. And I was like, I don't know where I would even send us. So when we found out about, um, it's called UC Stress Center. 
um, from Dr. Um, Kate Chard, who actually I did part of my internship in grad school with, um, I was all over it. We got in, we, we had amazing treatment, and it was phenomenal. Dr. Erica Berkeley. Yeah, by Dr. Erica Berkeley. Shout out if she listens. Um, she probably probably saved your life, saved our life. Marriage. Marriage. Our marriage mm. has been pretty solid, though. Um, but but it also gave us the tools and gave us the resources that have expanded to then teach others and to at least teach others at least what to look for, teach others how to open that door, how to, to have these conversations that can be super uncomfortable. Um, because if it wasn't for my skill set and me saying we need to get help, if I would have been like, dude, what the hell is wrong with you? You need to go get help. That would have been real bad, right? And that was something that you know, Dr. Berkeley mentioned right away is, you know, one, he's like, you guys are supporting each other. That's something that we don't see a lot, but which is amazing. And he's like, we don't want you in therapy forever. We want to get you in here. We want to get you the help you need, put you on the right direction. And we want to see you guys, you know, discharge with us. We want to see you succeed. And from, you know, the very get-go, yeah, that was awesome here. And the fact that you know she, we told her we want to do this together. She never, you know, once batted an eye at it. She said, "Okay, like absolutely, we'll do this together." And uh, you know what? A lot of people don't know the Joey Votto Foundation. You know, he actually is a very big supporter of first responders, and he sets up scholarships and funds available for the ones who can't get help or you know, don't think they have the insurance funds the high deductibles, there are, there are programs out there to help first responders get the help they need and the help they want and the help they deserve. So we don't have to be shameful or bashful about you know, reaching out. Yeah. You guys realize by going through this process, the, the lack that was out there, at least that was visible. And you, I mean, I, I could just tell by listening to you a couple weeks ago, you kind of made it a point to, well, let's see what we can do to fix that. Mm-hmm. You want to kind of elaborate <laughs> on um, probably that conversation? Because I imagine it was a, you just were enlightened and you said, you know what? <sighs> this shouldn't happen to anybody else. What can we do to change that? Yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> my wife, you know, Allison being a very big extrovert, you know, she she was, you know, gung-ho, get out there, me, and I'm a very big introvert. I think that's what we're, you know, why we complement each other so well. Is you know that that was a you know the next big step for me. This is still therapy for me because this is me taking what I've learned. Um, I enjoy teaching, you know, you know, teaching on my off days, but now I'm teaching you know my peers and their spouses on how to you know deal with the stress, ha- handle the emotions, and continue to build your relationship in your marriage. Yeah. So I created the online support group initially it was for um, wives. So when, when Chip died, I was like, oh shit, something happened in our, my husband's apartment. I don't know any of the wives. Well, what the heck? Well, that grew um, to a Southwest Ohio first um, fire wives group. And then that grew to all wives behind police and firefighters. Well, then men wanted to join. And I was like, I talked to him. I was like, should I have men join? He was like, well, I guess. Well, then that grew to this big thing of what it is now about 
any um, and looking at the marriage piece of first responders and spouses and having all key players involved in affecting change. And so we have the non we have not a nonprofit. We have a um, another business besides my private practice called First Responder Wellness, and it's looking at really impacting the uh, and training people on looking at the marriage piece and looking at not even if you're married, but looking at the components to um, what to look for, how to train, bringing what we do to different departments because there wasn't anything, and there still are areas of this country, lots of them, where there's nothing. And, and we don't want anyone to feel like what we felt. Like literally if, and again, I've, again, I've worked a lot of places to know a lot of people and to be feeling so helpless as a spouse to be sitting here and seeing what he was going through, what we were going through to be like, wow, if, if we had so many things available to us and felt that helpless, think of those individuals who don't have anything available to them and no wonder and I was like, I, this has got to stop. Like the numbers is, the amount of individuals dying by suicide is just so astronomical. Like it's just, it blows us away. I mean, you know, as, as we talk about cancer, cancer, suicide, like all these things as we're trying to put these preventative measures in, right? Why aren't we taking care of our mind? We have to, or, or we're, we're just going to keep suffering. So it's been now our, our mission, my mission, and he's basically along for the ride. Um, I'm driving, you're co-piloting. Uh, right. It's been my mission, our mission, to um, to not let any, as best as we can, not let this happen to anyone else, if we can help. So Because the, you know, what we realized when the, with another local incident that happened here was the spouse, she had no idea. She didn't know how to handle. She didn't know who to talk to at the you know, fire department. She didn't know who to talk to in the first responder world yeah. when they were reaching out. And she was, one, overwhelmed. She, two, she didn't, she didn't know what the, you know, the fire service family was, the first responder family. She didn't know how to you know, recognize the signs of something going on. Um, and fortunately, you know, when you do you know, the peer support <coughs> training, Excuse me. When you do the peer support training through, you know, the IFF and your local union leadership through the state and going out and doing, you know, these third-party trainings with clinicians, it kind of opens your eyes and you're like, one, it's, you know, you're bettering yourself and saying, how can I do better? But now how can I do better for my brothers, my sisters, and their spouses, their families? Because it's not just about us. You know, take care of us and... You know, first, make ourselves right, but then make ourselves whole. Mm. It's something that we've started to implement kind of in our rookie school right away. Mm. We have that that opening night kind of, uh, uh, I forget what they call it, but we bring the spouses in, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever they may be, right from the start, and we actually talk about this stuff. That's and great. so be- before where... That wasn't a thing. Mm-mm. Like, at least now, they have an idea of the signs and symptoms to look for. Like, you were able to pick it out because of your background. Right. But the typical spouse? Not normally. They just think, well, they're angry. Or they're mad at me for something. Or they just don't care about us. And the program that you guys are doing now is 
great because, I mean, for several reasons, but I enjoyed the fact that, I mean, it was open to our spouses. So you had both of us there and you were able to kind of just put it out there and how it is. And I mean, it, it, you know, we talked a lot about it stuff afterwards, my wife and I. And I mean, I even asked her like, at what point did I start opening up and talking about stuff? And she kind of said, you're better now, but I still think you keep stuff from me. Is that okay for the two of you? I don't know. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, and I think you're going to maybe back me up. I feel an obligation to kind of protect my wife and family from some of the crap we see. Right or wrong, I just kind of internalize it. They don't need to know. Mm-hmm. And if I need to talk about it, I can talk about it. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I just yeah. kind of bury it. But if you let that obligation get in the way of the connection, the intimacy, the trust that your relationship can have, it can break that foundation down. The best question I got asked in Illinois was from a retired fireman who's now a chaplain for his fire department. His question was, how long did it take you to finally tell your wife what you do? This sounds like a simple enough question. Well, you know, I go to work, you know, we check the trucks, make some runs, <laughs> take people to the hospital. We're real heroes today. You know, fight three fires every six years. I don't know. And he was like, and that's what you initially think. And he goes, no, how long did it really take you to tell your wife what you do? The, you know, the shit you see. The, the day in, the day out. The stuff you don't see on TV. The things that people th- don't think we do. Man. We had his pause for a second. Because I dated a firefighter before him. And this firefighter's dad was a chief. And so I got to see lots of things and hear lots of things. And so to me, it really didn't phase me much. And, she's a, yeah, and I was so. also search and rescue. And I've done lots of things. So... So we're kind, of, we're kind of spoiled in that aspect, yeah. but then it's like, you know, but then you think of, you know, the guys you work with or what if, you know, my wife wasn't already exposed to this? What if we weren't so open with each other? Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what I would tell her. And I've actually posed that question to the guys I work with and I've had, really, mm-hmm. oh. I've had answers from, yeah, I tell them what we do, you know. Some have said they really know what we do, and others have said, my wife knows I come to work, and she knows I come home. Mm. Beyond that. And that works for different for everyone. If it works for you, then that's fine. But if it, if it builds tension, or if it doesn't build trust, like if your wife's like, I don't want to know, cool. But if that, as long as you have an outlet, and you have somebody to talk to about that, like the buddy... Mm-hmm. right um then great but if if your wife wants to know and she's like i do want to know everything i want you to have that like i mean pretty much you tell me i think pretty much everything if i i more or less will start divorce like i get it i work in a hospital too yeah <laughs> no and i think over the years i've been better and i i think and i don't know i don't think you're quite as far along as i am and career-wise i still got a long ways to go but I'm close enough. I mean, I can see the light. And when you, we, we brought up the conversation of retirement, 
and you know the option here I mean I mean you know you work in the same system as I do mm -hmm. you get your 25 years if you want to stay eight extra and do the drop that's an option for you and at the end you're, you're left with a pretty decent amount sitting there in the bank you know um, and just discussing that having that conversation with my wife it was it was more of I don't is it worth it yes exactly and, yeah and I had to kind of justify like why not just on the financial um, <laughs> mind frame of, of how that would be beneficial but I had to counter that with uh, why I don't want to stay yeah. Why I want to do my time. I'm having so many conversations with people and right now about that. Walk away. I think that's more common than you think. My my firehouse, the next the next guys are retired, none of them are dropping. They're all they're all hitting their mark and they're leaving because they're like, This is not worth it anymore to me. But I think that conversation was really the beginning to even let her in and show her like my mm. um hesitation and what's happened to you just, just how the the job has changed and more of a at least where i'm at in a negative way do more with less um it just doesn't seem worth it a lot yeah that's that's what at least for me at least started the conversation but she still even with that thinks that you know i'm not going to tell her a whole lot <laughs> well, what's great though, and I love hearing this, is what we bring is that awareness piece. And then one of the things him and I talked about is when we, when he agreed to go talk, is I don't want to ever go to a workshop myself or a conference and leave without something tangible, like either a skill that I can do, or I just don't. I love listening to people, but it's like, okay, then what? So I give people when we give people actual steps, actual things you can walk away and do or talk about with your spouse. And that you've done that is awesome, but you got to keep doing that. And it's talking, how can you keep doing that? What do you need to keep doing that? And so that's what we really, really, um, us, we have to keep doing that. And when our schedules get super busy, like I don't know what day I'm on right now of working, like day 10 of 15 or 16, um, it's like, okay, how are we checking in with each other? Because we get super busy. And then we start to feel very disconnected or we're short with each other. You know, we know each other's signs now we've, really worked on it to um all of us i mean we have lives so that's what that is 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 we talk about what we've gone through we give what we've worked on and then what you can do or what skills to to start with just a, a basic starter kit then going from there what you can set to do so I think so far it's been a really great um feedback we've had really great feedback besides him need to talk louder <laughs> but we got, it, we got him like standing right in front of the microphone right by getting closer and we'll be chewing on it right <laughs> and, and i've actually i've enjoyed this more than i actually thought i would because being at the front of the room and seeing how the audience reacts to what i say and they're they're going through the feelings that i felt and I had to ask Allison after the we did the one in Dayton because I saw you know a lot of the you know, spouses in the back row crying and I now Allison was crying too and I was like am I a bad person for not feeling the way they do right now like that she's like no you lived it 
Yeah. This is you moving past it. And we don't know what they're thinking. Yeah. I it's actually like you don't know what where they're at. Right. But you're like, well your words are obviously meaning something. It's just amazing to me. And I, I think you're you'll agree with me. I hope you'll agree with me again. I love the fact that we can actually talk about this. That so much was not the case when we started. Mm-mm. It just wasn't. No. And now all of a sudden there's just openness, this availability that wasn't there. And I, I really, I just enjoy that fact. Um, it's not, the stigma isn't what it was. It's not taboo. It's, you're allowed to talk about this now. And I think with doing that, my hope is that people are going to get help. Yeah. And we're not going to see as much. I can't guarantee nothing, but as much. The, the idea that we catch some stuff early on, that uh, somebody reacts to a personal story of somebody else, and they realize that they're in trouble and they need help. Yeah. It's, it's actually interesting. Over the last um, year I've been doing running the group, um, we've reached over, I don't know, 10, 15,000 people. But there have been two people we've actually stopped from committing suicide. Um, it's huge. Which is really cool. So, I mean, that's, the, that's what you hope for. Yeah. That's not before we even started the speaking thing. So, just by being out there, getting people connected, gathering them. And that's not even in my private practice, right? That's just literally touching people's lives through social media. Um, I don't like to brag about that. I just want to tell people, like, the more and more awareness, the more we are vulnerable with our story, the more everyone is vulnerable, yourself included, and I can see it in your eyes. Um, I'm wearing sunglasses right now. Right. Um, we touch lives, and those lives uh, are hurting too. So it's amazing, and I hope people keep talking about it, and they will. We're, we're on a movement. The movement's happening. It's here. It's, it's happening. I think the best thing for firemen is, you know, we, we love to say that, you know, we need to pull hose lines on the drill grounds. We need to train, we need to train, we need to train. Well, in, implementing mental health training, just simple aspects of it, awareness, how to deal with stress, that's going to go further than people think. Yeah, so it's all this stuff that we nobody taught us early on. I mean, this self-care, this... Uh, Work-life balance. What? That's crazy. Who has work-life balance? Clearly not you. (laughs) No, I do. I come home and then veg out. Are we going to walk with our new great puppy? He is a cutie. Yeah. She is still growing on her. I will take him home now. Okay. Sure. All right. Okay. (laughs) No, he's fine. We just need to figure out what's going on with his bowels. But anyways. Oh, well, once you fix that, then I'll take him home. Okay. But yes, so we, we're in the movement. We're going to keep going. It's going to happen. Uh, or it is happening. You know, you have to, we're going to go off on a tangent for a second. You have to remember, just like desegregation, we're, it, ha- it, it wasn't overnight. And, and we're in this movement. You know, cancer prevention, it wasn't overnight. I mean, that took a long time. Yep. This is going to take, a, this is even harder. So it's going to take a while. Because it's something we can't see. Absolutely. It's too late. Yeah, and it's uh, the unfortunate thing is um, 
and I wish it wasn't this way, but it, it, it reminds me of cancer this way where it almost needs to happen to your own department, whether it's a cancer diagnosis where they die or a suicide or an attempt. You almost need to have that happen, unfortunately, before anything is changed. Yes and no. Yeah. That's uh, how your department handles it. Yeah. I mean, too. Do they bury it and just get by? Um, I mean, that's a big thing with when we're talking about retirements with our guys right now. Uh, probably the guys who retired in the last 10 years, a lot of them have, gotten, have died. They've retired to die. And guys are like, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live. I want to live longer than I was here. I preached that the other day to the kids. I said, what's the point of putting all this time in if you're not able to celebrate your retirement and enjoy yourself and be around your family? Right. What's the point in all of this? It's not worth it. I think that is a great That's why we got into it. So we need to find that again and live that life, live that, taking care of ourselves. What's kind of next? What's what's going on next? You know, in the, in the future for you guys and what you're going to try to do? Because I could I could just tell that this is ever expanding. Mm-hmm. It's uh, well, which post-it note do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I actually erased the board. It had lots of stuff. So I I mean imagine it you know it started off as like you said a pretty small thing and is yeah it's grown and grown and grown and now you're like part of you I'm sure like. Oh shit! What have I done? <laughs> what have I done? But yeah. I'm sure you get taken back and go. No, it's, this it's is a happy a stress. Good thing. Yes. So, lots of great things are are happening. Um, again, with everything, it's hurry up and wait. We've had meetings with. Um, Trump, you know, the especially the guys who are in the state of Ohio, and they understand with their certifications that we require so many continuing education hours now. And I mean, it's a point where we almost can't get everything on the job anymore. We have to go outside of it. So taking these trainings to firehouses, which Allison got an opportunity to, and was very well received and departments want it, but how do they institute this when, you know, they don't have the time to put it, work it into the normal work day on top of making runs what are they getting out of it other than, you know, this could save your life? You know, we always want something in the end. So we're working on one getting our, our training uh, credited so where we can give continuing education hours. That will be a huge step for departments because you don't want to say that will get you in the door or, you know, that will make this more worthwhile. But it, it, at the very beginning, it gives the department and gives the members something to say. All right, at least, I, at least I'm going to be getting, you know, some continuing education hours out of this. It's a, that's a small thing. That's a small thing just to get you in the door. Ideally, you know, Ohio guy talking to Ohio guy, ideally, inspector hours. Well, yeah, we're, we're trying. I know it's not going to work, but I know yeah. it's a joke. Yeah. I mean, every other Ohio guy yeah. goes, yeah, those are the hard ones to get. Right. So, so we've, got, we've had a few meetings to try and find a way to get some accreditation. Um, we have another, we've had a, had another meeting to link with a nonprofit to, um, go in with their organization so I can provide their trainings. Um, I'm not going to call them out yet cause I don't know how that's going to work. Um, so the, the goal is to grow. The goal is to provide this to as many departments 
many agency areas as possible. Um, with their spouses. With now, that's, that's the biggest thing is we're not aim for us, we're not aiming this at at the fire department, the firemen, the firewomen who are at the station. We're aiming this at the collective. We're aiming this at the, the fire chief's wife all the way down to the rookie's girlfriend or Tinder or Academy. Bumble, whatever they please, use. Please nowadays. don't bring your Tinder date like I've that. Never had Tinder. Yeah. Anyways. Um, and then we're also expanding the business of um, the private practice and we're bringing in EMDR and equine therapy. Um, so, and then we're training, my goal is within the next six to 12 months to be, have, be, have, have, uh, the clinician cultural course up and running, and that will both be in person and online so that we can actually have trained clinicians. Um, that's again, going to have to go through some accreditation. So I have to work with different states and figuring that all out. So on top of, you know, family life and practice, I mean, running a practice and the online stuff. And I'll, oh, I also work at a hospital and he's a fireman and has a second job. I'm trying to look at if I can talk legislations and how I can get these things implemented um, in a timely manner, but it's, uh, and create them. <laughs> They're basically the outlines are created. It's just like actually creating, um, creating the content. So it's kind of where we are. And the best part with all this, we have the support of you know, our friends, families. Yeah. They may not understand what we're completely doing. Yeah. But just for them to say whatever you guys are doing is working, to hear it from you know, members of the fire service, um, such as when we came up to Dayton, and what those guys, the feedback and the positivity. I mean, that just shows like, well, we're doing something right. Has your department been supportive? Our, my department is very, very uh, appreciative of the peer support. Um, I said, you said the point on, something needs to happen within your department for something to take place. Well, we had, we had multiple incidents, you know, you know, every department's different. Every incident's different, what will affect you. you know, we had some, what, we had some big ones that affected not only the fire department, but the police department so they've been very supportive of the peer support program um but we're a very old school department like you guys are still very hard in our old school ways we're just now adapting and that's a huge culture change and being i'm sure you can appreciate this so i'll throw one at you i've been on the department for six years you know all full-time career department guy with six years on it's hard to make that connection, but given providing some training to, you know, it's not, you don't need training to be a peer support. Okay. You just be a good friend, and a good listener. You're not there to fix their problems. You're there to be a rock for them. Just let them tell you what's wrong. Ask them what they need. How can you help them? Not how can I fix you? That, Cause that's our job, right? Where people call us to fix, fix everything. Excuse me. But when a peer, or a coworker, or a friend, a spouse comes to you, I need help, or I'm going through this. What do you need? I agree with that. I realized um, maybe just a couple of years ago that I was peer supporting mm-hmm. 
with everybody who called me that had a cancer diagnosis. Yeah. And uh, it took me a while to realize that, but I kind of got to the point where I was like, I really probably need to get officially trained because I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying the right thing or the wrong thing or, or what. Were you helping? I believe so. Absolutely. There you go. Yes, but... Uh, Did anyone come back and say, you made me mad at what you said, blah, blah, blah. No. Yeah, I think that's a big Not regarding that. I mean, when they when they reached out for me, they're looking for help. Where to go? Yeah. I mean, it's just like when they reach out to you. Where, yep. Where do I go? Yeah. And, and I know enough of, especially in this state, what the law is. Yeah. And I can, I can screen you real quick and basically check the boxes and tell you where you're at and, and then tell you where to go from there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's the same stuff that you do. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're out in the middle of, you know, nowhere, Oklahoma... I gotta find some contacts. Sure. <laughs> Which is fine. I will. I will search, and I do. Absolutely. And this is where you know a lot of the you know we'll use the example of the you know the old salty firemen, the senior firemen. Those guys can be the rock for you. Some of the, sometimes they're the quiet ones. The guy sitting in the chair where you think you know just always resting. That guy's probably seen some stuff, and he's. He could help you get through it, tell you who to talk to, and you know, just lift you up a little bit. You don't always need think you need therapy. You don't always have to be like, well, if I if I say something, I'm gonna have to go to therapy. No, you, you know, just talking to someone. Be a friend. Yeah. yeah. Get off your phone. <clears throat> Actually, engage with someone. Well, that's what are you? You're crazy. What? They're probably listening to this. Listen, on their phone. I need to update this on Facebook real fast. Nice. Yeah, oh. The biggest jump for me is I got off Facebook. You know, as bad as that is for like you know my wife's business and everything, but for me, that did so much for me. Yeah. You're, not, you're, you're not missing much. You're, you're missing politics and <laughs> people buying a bunch of toilet paper and uh, them canceling all the sport games. Yeah. For once, concerts. I think she was actually happy. She's like telling me about the toilet paper. I was like, what are you talking about? I absolutely, absolutely have no clue. She's like, you don't know? Like, yeah. Well, I didn't know. Because normally I'm late to the game on yes. everything. I don't know a lot about news you, and stuff. You are like my Lauren, yes. And he was like, I don't know. I was like, oh, I know something before you do? Nice. What? Well, let me get you out of here. Yeah. Wait, I want to back up real quick and say yeah. there's some old guys that I deal with that are open. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they just do their own thing. Mm-hmm. The thing that I'm blessed with is we've got a lot of young guys and gals that are open-minded to this. And I think that has helped with really the change of attitude. So the the more this progresses and the more we're starting early on, the more things are going to change for the better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's do these 25 random questions. Okay, here who, we go. Who wants to go first? I mean, we're not going to go through all 25. We don't have the time for that. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's go let, first. Let's hit me up first. Oh, jeez. So, Allison, you go. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Pick a number. One through 25. Three. What was your first concert? Uh, 98 Degrees. <laughs> That's such a Cincinnati answer. I know, 98 Degrees. <sighs> what, was, just, what was your first concert? Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Mm-hmm. Very nice. I'm a huge Garth Brooks fan. I'm, but he uh, loves like the scream music. But he will then listen to Garth Brooks. I, I am excited. I know he is supposed to end his stadium tour 
if the coronavirus doesn't end it for him in South Bend, and I want to go to that show. Oh, that'd be a big one. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. All right. How about you pick a number, Dane? Yeah, let's go lucky number 13. Favorite movie? Oh, Hill. I'd I'd have to, I'm going to have to say the one... We did the thing you're not supposed to do on a first date. Oh, we I went, knew you were going to do this. We went and saw a movie. Yeah. Well, for, wait. we got to back up and tell real fast this story. You waited for me. That's all that matters. So we call it Dane time. Dane is late to almost everything. Or right on time. No, late. Late. So I waited. First date. Long time. For me, long time. It was like, what, 20, 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. We met at a, de- a restaurant. had drinks, dinner. And then went to a movie. So we went and saw Ted. That was our first date movie together. Big fan of bears. Big fan of stuffed bears. Mm-hmm. But it got <laughs> us. We our humor is exactly the same. So we we're like, ah, oh, our humor is the same. It like was, it was one of these. <laughs> let's just cut to the chase to see if this girl's even worth it. We'll test yep. out her humor. Yep. So we, even though we haven't watched Ted in a while, probably Ted. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the always one when it comes to us. Since we're talking about what we do together. Yeah, Ted. I gotta go, Ted. I didn't expect that. That's good, though. Mm-hmm. Very good. Our daughter wanted to watch it one day. We're like, oh, no. No. Yeah. She's no. like, but it's a bear. It's a teddy bear. <laughs> no. No. Mm. All right. How about another one? Mm, five. You have a favorite quote? Mm. Yeah, but I can't remember it. Oh. That's normal for me. I got, I got one that I actually use on my computer. Don't argue with stupid people because they'll beat you down and bring you down to their level with experience. Wait, say that again? That's, don't that's argue just, with stupid people. Don't, don't argue with stupid people because they will beat you down and bring you down to their level with experience. Hmm. That's good. There you go. I'm not even gonna. You're not gonna argue with them. No, that's good. <laughs> I, I was really good. I'm like mic dropping on that one. That was good. Uh, no, I'm gonna do one more. I'm gonna do one more. I'll pick this for both of you. What's something that you tried that you will never, ever try again? If they can oh. only see the oh, image. Oh, I wish this was on video. Um, uh, I don't know. Oh, that's a good one. I try with pretty much anything. I'm pretty daredevil. <laughs> I'm pretty much a daredevil. And we'll do anything. I try any food or any activity. Don't do that again. Um... Right, two, getting two dogs, two puppies. I will never do that again. Okay. I will never get two puppies again. I agree with that one. Uh, Would you ever go skydiving again? I would skydive again. The uh, one thing I, I tried and I absolutely hated as much as I really wanted to enjoy it was horse, horseback riding. Oh, I loved horseback riding. You didn't like snorkeling either. I was trying not to die. I'd have to, if I did horseback riding, I'd have to be a Clydesdale. 
He, that's, a, that's a fat joke on myself. Oh, well, no, you'd have to be on a, um, what were you on? A thoroughbred. Thoroughbred. A thoroughbred. That's what you'd have to be on because of the... Fair enough. Um, I still would support anything, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's finish up with this. If uh, anybody wanted to track you guys down, mm-hmm. not in a stalker way, but like a helpful way. Yeah. Where could they find you at? We can't. We know we can't find Dane on Facebook. No. You can, you can find, find him. Me, you, he just won't I answer. Won't <laughs> so you can find me, Allison Feening. Our last name is F as in Frank, I-E-N-N-I-N-G. Um, or our... Um, we have, an, we have a website that still needs to be worked on, but you can go to http dot slash slash com or our Facebook page, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y uh, slash triumph dash over dash trauma. Um, any of those places. And we also have a phone number, 513-520-2532. Um, really, any of those places, if you wanted to Perfect. contact us and that's just get the initial contact after that there we have different we have many ways paying the need the necessity you know we'll, we'll definitely reach out whether it's you know facetiming skype join me meetings we utilize any resource at our availability and sometimes people reach out to me asking for him or people reach out to him asking for me so and we're totally fine we're not um you know biased yes. or picky don't ever be afraid to don't ever be afraid to you know give our name to someone else to help absolutely because it's about spreading the word if someone said i got your name from a guy from a guy who knows a guy well (laughs) either way hi (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank you guys for for making the time Uh, i know your daughter is ready for you to get back to her and your puppy dog yes who's awake kind of can hear them both so yeah. i appreciate this um i guess that wraps it up for now thank you very very much i'll talk to all of your listeners next week so take care until then awesome thank you thank you